0: Hey, welcome back to the United Pubcast for a very special episode. You know exactly why you are here. Um, we well, we've had him on before, episode fifty. If you haven't watched, um, go back to onto our podcast platform, audio so Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc., and scroll back to episode fifty. Both Larry and I are probably our favourite episode we did. Mainly, yeah, if yeah. it was in a pub. It was in a pub <laughs> before COVID time, so we've got to sit down with main man and um, talk about his uh, time at United, and it's a, it's a fascinating story, so I urge everyone to go back. It's a good hour-long chat about how he signed for United, sort of ups and downs of his career, and um, yeah, better to listen to. He does love a good story, Boz. So, Boz, how are you, mate?
1: Good, thanks, Tom. How are you? And hello to everybody else, uh, especially those who are in lockdown, wherever they may be. Um, obviously, we're in here in Sydney. Um, but if you're anywhere else around the country tuning in, um, thoughts are with everyone. Uh, we'll get through this. Um, um, it's a, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So um, um, we'll just stick together and we'll get all through this. But uh, it's it's hard to say that you're all 100% at this time because it's, it's a very strange time. But we're all, I guess, here anyway at my household as good as can be. Uh, it's a bit of a challenge with homeschooling when you've got a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, but... Uh, very lucky to have a fiancé who's uh, who's been excellent at everything and tries to keep everything uh, in check. So so very, very fortunate.
0: Nah, lucky, man. And if you are watching, please leave a like on the video. Go follow Bozza on all his social medias, Twitter and Instagram. But um, yeah, if you're not subscribed, it would be great if you could subscribe. And if you are watching live, get all your comments in and uh, we'll see how we go, sort of directing those questions and topics mm. towards Bozza. Uh, Larry might be joining us a little bit late, a little bit tied up at work, but he might make a late, substitute appearance off the bench in the second half but um excellent we'll, we'll get into it and you just mentioned there a little bit sort of home and in teacher and we'll start on sort of i don't know if you could put him in that category but the headmaster and the teacher currently at man united oligona <laughs> the main man in charge before we get into his time at the club and the, the job he has on his hands yeah i just want sort of your opinion because he's obviously someone you've shared a dressing room with you've won a premier yeah. league title with um before we get into his time at united like in terms of what he's doing now just your thoughts on him sort of when you walked into that Mid United dressing room, yeah. this young Norwegian kid who's obviously he's there for a few years before you arrived yeah. for the second time. Um, just your initial reaction or initial feelings towards Solskjaer and your time spent at the club with him.
1: Yeah, he's an exceptional man. Um, and, you know, what I've got to say, as good a finisher that I've ever come across, you know, in training on the pitch, there was a few that I've come across who were just sometimes in training, you know, sometimes in training people refer to a goalkeeper So, you know, that day, that particular goalkeeper was unbeatable. Well, Ollie was one of them on, on this day, and that goes for on the park as well. Um, he was unstoppable, um, but a fantastic man. Um, I wouldn't describe him as a school teacher, maybe a teacher, yes, um, but somebody for me who really steadied the ship uh, when he first came in and now has, uh, has built a really good foundation uh, to go on. Uh, disappointed, obviously, as we all were that morning. Uh, back in May when they lost on the penalty shootout um, to Villarreal. And, uh, you know, it's penalties are penalties. and We saw that in the Euros as well. Regardless of what anyone says, it really can go either way. Um, But uh, I think uh, some of the signings that he's made, uh, uh, the fact that he's also eased the reliance on Paul Pogba, um, because that's obviously a a very controversial subject with, with all Manchester United fans, whether or not he's... He's the one for us, or um, you know, whether or not they should, you know, he should stay or she'd go. It's a it's a it's a long, it's a subject in itself. But I think either way, what he's done is is that he's hedged his bets. He's eased the reliance upon him. The signings that he's made this summer have been outstanding. Um Jaden Sancho, we saw all saw what he could do. Those of us who follow the Bundesliga would have been watching what he could do as well for Bruce Dortmund. Um, but really Rafael Varane is is a superb signing and really gives the intentions of what the club wants to do. Ah, uh, somebody who's you know, who's won the big things. He's won the Champions League. Uh, he's won the World Cup. Uh, he really is uh, a, a Rolls Royce of defenders. There's not too many uh, defenders anywhere around. Well, there's no defender around the world uh, that's better than him. There may be some defenders that you could argue are as good as him, but not better than him. Um, obviously, it'd be great to to turn around and say, "And we've got Harry Kane as well. Someone of that of that ilk." Um, but so far as I'm concerned, the business that's been done in the summer has been outstanding um, and uh, it's really put a real spring in my step to look forward to, to Manchester United closing the gap even more and maybe challenging a little bit more serious for the title than they did uh, last season. Um, but if you look, you know, even last season, the the, the improvement in the league positions has been gradual. Um, you know, if we're looking at, you know, say from 2017 to 2018, they was second the following season 2018 2019 and then it dropped to sixth but that was a season when we had that uh you know the Mourinho change over to Ollie then third two seasons ago then second um and uh I, I truly think that they're they're on the right course but it is going to take time and I bet the Man United supporters are as sick as uh, as anyone is here in in New South Wales hearing this is going to take time this lockdown but uh it truly is I, I do think though so, I was so, you know, uh, one of the reasons I was so disappointed that we lost to v- Villarreal, that would have been nice to to win a trophy. I do think he needs to win a trophy, a cup or something like that this season. Um, but I think, and I also think that in terms of the title, um, I think they will make a challenge this year. But I think within two seasons, um, you know, it really has to be a, a serious objective um, because mm. that, that would have been five seasons by then. Um, if he gets to December, I think, well, December, was it December, January, that would be the longest any manager's been at the club since Sir Alex. So, um, uh, the, the stability is important and let's not forget, and I keep saying this to everybody, it took Sir Alex nearly what, I think it was four seasons, four and a half seasons to win his first trophy. And then obviously the rest was history. So, um, you know, sort of don't, don't back, you know, don't sort of falter now. Um, so far as I'm concerned, the real hard work has been done. Now it's looking to, to sort of, to start to look towards putting the icing on the cake.
0: Well, just on that, in, in regards to Solskjaer, in terms of, look, you won't find a bigger fan of Solskjaer than myself, one, as mm. a player, but even as a manager, I think he's done a fantastic mm. job since he's come in, but there's, you can't hide from the criticisms and the attention around him, even amongst no. the fan base, it's split. But I'm just thinking, European, opinion, if I just speak a little bit about it before, but a little bit more in depth, there's no doubt. I love Solskjaer. There's better managers out there, mm. Pep Guardiola, mm. Jürgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, whoever, there are better managers. Well, However, do you think Solskjaer while maybe has limitations is the best man for the job at United in terms of what we need. I think
1: now. I truly think that, and look really the bottom line is, I mean, the, the managers you mentioned, I haven't played under them. So I can't really say that they're the, the better managers yeah. They're the more successful managers. There's no yeah. doubt about yeah. that. Um, but you could also argue, uh, you know, really that all of them that you just mentioned. have, have had better teams, um, yeah. you know, it's, especially Pep, you have to say, going to Barcelona, to Bayern Munich, um, and, and then, obviously, to Manchester City, you know, d- during that time, uh, I met maybe at his early days at Barcelona, there were times where, the, you know, Sir Alex's Manchester United could compete with them. But if you if you have to sort of say, let's be honest, you know, they beat us twice in two finals. Um, oh, I think we beat them in a semi-final once. But um, that, that was one of the teams of football all the time. Um, uh, people argue Jurgen Klopp. Um, but that Liverpool side in recent years that he's put up were a better side than Manchester United. And you could argue maybe his Dortmund side weren't as much, and he had success. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, Tommy Tuchel, I mean, he mean, he's done a, a, a just a fantastic job with Chelsea. Um, and it's arguable whether or not that side was better than the one that Solskjaer had maybe last season. That's 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 a fair argument. Um, but this is why I think it's important that uh, they 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 pick up a trophy this season. And uh, and you know ultimately that's exactly what he will be judged upon. Um, mm-hmm. to, you know, and. Getting to that point is basically putting together a side that's worthy of saying right, okay. Now, so but when you do that, you know when you get the likes of Varane and and um, Sancho, and and there will be, I reckon there'll be another one. I mean, obviously that the, they've rumoured about trip. I think it would be an f- absolutely fantastic signing um, from from Atletico Madrid. It's, the, the spotlight then will come on, but you need to give that person. You can't let that person buy all those players, in my opinion, anyway. And then all of a sudden, go okay. Well, now we're going to get somebody else to finish it all off. If you're mm-hmm. talking to Chelsea, especially their hierarchy, they might say, "No, well, that's the way that that's the way to go." And since Roman Abramovich has been in, although we've you know we've hired and fired more coaches probably than any of the top teams, we've also won more more trophies than any other domestic club. So it's mm-hmm. hard to argue. But you know, as much as I love him and it was an ex-teammate, and and uh, I dearly want him to be successful, I'm also realistic to know from a supporter's perspective. That if there's no trophy this season, and if they don't seriously challenge for the league and and go, you know, at least go close in the next couple seasons, that that time, um, that uh, you know, that terrible time mm. might come. Let's see how it goes first. And like I said, mm. you know, you ultimately be judged on on the success that he has or doesn't have. That's that's why I was like I said, it was as a real down.
0: Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Uh, Rob's left a comment here saying, evening lads, big hello to mm. Bozza. Um, he's obviously a member of the supporters club and got his own um, YouTube hello. channel. Uh, it's a football thing. But just on that, mm. in terms of the aspirations for a trophy, mm. you've mentioned that, that. The United, whatever's going to happen this season, we have to go into the season hoping to win this title and that, sort of the players need that mindset of, okay, we're going to win the Premier League title. Whether we're good enough or not, time will tell. Mm. Just want to think, we also, as fans, we say that very sort of flimsily. We say Oh, these players don't have the right mentality, or they do have the right mentality. Hmm. As someone who has walked into a dressing room of arguably the Man United's best ever team in terms of the treble-winning team, you had that mentality hmm. of going to next season. We're going to go win the title. Yeah. Where's fans say oh, they have the mentality? They don't. What is that mentality? When you walked into that dressing room, what was it about? Well, the training and, well, and yeah. we're going to win the title.
1: I mean, so far as I was, yeah, so far as from my perspective, and I've been very, very fortunate, even at you know at a young in a young. Uh, my younger days, even here, is just like I had success with teams. So it's not something you walk into a, a dressing room like that and say, oh, by the way, I want two trophies at Aston Villa because they've just come off the back of winning the treble." But that, that mentality can be developed um, and normally is developed. But the biggest sign for any individual is to see evidence of it. Okay. So some people have that mentality anyway, even though they haven't won things, but they're still like, you know, why can't we win? Okay. Uh, others need, they they have it there, but because they're their own their own character. Because you know a lot of people say you know to, you know sometimes the the previous characters I've mentioned the ones that that think that they you know that they they believe that they can anyway. Sometimes that gets knocked out of people. People are like you know don't be so cocky and there. you know what I mean so we can understand that. Then sometimes you have got the other one who's a bit more humble and this that and the other, which is fine too. But they need to see evidence of that, and that's how they become the winners. Let's not forget as well, you know. You know, that's why I think one of the great achievements was uh, when Manchester United won the inaugural season of the Premier League. That season before, they threw away the title. It would have been so easy for a lot of those players to just sort of say, oh, look, we really can't believe this. But once you do win it, once you break that gate for the first time and people see it and feel it and experience, that's when it becomes, you know, okay, I've got that mentality. And that's why it's so important, uh, in my opinion, number one with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, He's won it before. He's won the biggest the biggest thing in club football which is the champions league he's won the world club championship so he knows okay and that's very very important from a standpoint of when he's talking to rafael Varane, i mean he's, he's he's won it before he's won la liga he's won the champions league he's won the world cup with france yeah. the more players you have like that the better and and another thing as well when i'm talking about getting to the icing on the cake straight my main focus and people remember this, was Canton. i remember cantona transformed that whole dressing room why um, Yes, he was a fantastic player, but his mentality as well, I think, really rubbed off uh, on that team. And and like I said, it, it it takes it sometimes takes that for the whole team or the whole squad to have that mentality. So we know we've done it, yeah. And you, you before you get to that stage, you've got to have as as many people as possible truly believing that deep down they don't have to show in that cocky way that i mentioned before but deep down to say look i i do deserve to be here we do deserve to win the title and you saw how far we still are away last season when we hit that we hit the top of the table i think it was around december time or january or something like that stayed there for about two or three weeks and that was it so they've got to truly believe it from the top to the bottom that they can do it um but until they do do it a lot of people will still be very skeptical including the supporters which is understandable
0: yeah, you, you, you reminded me of a good time. Those two or three weeks last December or January, they were a good two or three weeks.
1: Yeah, but I think we even, all knew deep down, didn't we? There will there, no, yeah. come a time when that occurs, and we'll all be saying to each other, "Oh, we can really, you know, Manchester yeah. and I can really win this, you know." And yeah, that's definitely. a question of, I oh, know, I really think there should be, there should be thinking like that now. But I mean, we all get feelings. I mean, it's, it's—I call them radio waves—but we all have feelings, and, and they're very rarely that far off the mark sometimes they may Mm -hmm. be but that usually generates from from the things that we're thinking or the things that we're watching together and out of all the man united supporters worldwide i'd be very interested to know how many truly thought when we hit the top of the table yeah that we're going to go on with it i think it'd be very very few very, very yeah. few. No, definitely. Yeah? Harder yeah. Whereas in the past, really- in the past, it was like when we hit the top of the table at that time, you're like, well, this, we know there's only going to be one team that won it. You know, that, oh, sorry, that's going to win it, yeah? And a, a great example is Newcastle that year, you know, back in 95, 96. Well, 12 points yeah. clear at the end of February, yeah, but they still lost it, yeah? then that really does come down. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I would say the main portion of, of, that, of that cake, if you have, a, say, like 70% this, you know, 20% this, uh, the main portion would have been the fact that I think deep down they didn't truly believe it enough.
0: Yeah, no, hard to argue. You mentioned Verona. Before we get into Verona, I just want to work sort of back to front in terms of the positional sense. And this is a podcast yeah. or an episode. Me and Larry yeah. have done countless times, and I assume we're going to be doing it countless times in the future. But who better to ask as a former goalkeeper? Yeah. I just want your, your opinion on the current goalkeeping situation at United because it was so intriguing last year. And I, I look at it just from a fan's point of view. I never thought it was feasible to have De Gea and Henderson, but Solskjaer Mm. managed it quite well. And in a tricky situation, Mm. it did work out quite well this season. But just yeah. your just your view on the whole situation, well, especially going
1: into a new season. Yeah, my view has always been that the goalkeeper should be like any other position that you have competition for your place, and the better the competition, the better that you perform. But a lot of goalkeepers are not like that um, because goalkeeper is nine tenths of the law is pretty much is everything. You know, very rare. You, you know, like goalkeepers usually staying for quite some period of time. The chopping and changing can actually do more harm than good. But my personal thing when i look back even at the time uh you know i think i said this to you before as well at the time you, you know you're probably thinking oh i'd just like to be number one and what I have to worry about when you look back when you finish playing you think well i did play at my best because i had to or else i'd lose my place uh but this situation i think is a little bit different i don't think either goalkeeper is really sort of you know especially recently i mean david de gea was so good for so long that when he started to sort of slip a little bit in the last couple of seasons it, it's the it's sort of been much more noticeable um, but I don't think either goalkeeper has sort of really sort of said during this time when you consider sort of like tussling for number one, yes, I'm the one, you know, let me be your number one. Now, I don't know either the characters particularly well, De Gea or, or Henderson. So it maybe be that they're okay with it or maybe that they're not okay with it. There's a little bit obviously more of a situation with De Gea with his contract. Um, and, you know, will he stay? Will he go or whatever? And once again, I think Oli's done the right thing. He's got somebody there that he thinks, you know, okay, well, if you, we need to cover ourselves. Manchester United as a club, they can't wait just on one person, no matter who it is to make the decision. They've got to cover themselves. But I think right now at this moment in time, we'll find out um, pretty early on in the season. Now, obviously, who Oli, I mean, who he starts this week against Leeds, that would be a big pointer. Um, And I think he's also got the luxury of the fact that, you know, if if whoever starts, whether it be Henderson or De Gea, if he doesn't perform, that he can put the other one in. Now, whether or not whoever's not in is able to put up with that and not ask to leave or whatever, that's a different story altogether. Um, But time will sort that out. I think at this moment in time, I think De Gea deserves um, to to start. Uh, I haven't been watching preseason, this, that, and the other, but I took note of the fact that Henderson... Uh, unfortunately, he got COVID, so he's, he's sort of, you know, he's sort of taking a bit of time to come back. So De Gea needs to start. And then if he doesn't take this opportunity with his both hands, I think then um, they need to go with Henderson and stick with Henderson. Um, but there's one thing that's, like I said, that's really apparent. You're not going to win anything major without a great goalkeeper. We know that.
0: Yeah, no, fingers crossed, um, mm. Solskjaer. I think it's a positive trade. of Solskjaer. shows his man management, how he has dealt with that situation. And now it mm. is in the hands no pun intended, of the goalkeepers, to go and take yeah. that spot. And we mentioned Rafael Varane, and look, at the moment, he's not even officially announced, hopefully officially announced. Mm. within a day or two. Currently, looks like he's halfway through a medical. You, mm. you talked about the mentality he brings, the experience he brings. I just want your opinion as a goalkeeper. Mm. So there's, there's questions over every position, but there has been questions of our central, sort of central defending um, pairing. Just yeah. As a goalkeeper, what would it be like with a new signing coming in? Post speaks a different language. I'm not sure if yeah. Varane's English. What would it be like for, us? let's say you're David De Gea? Yeah. You, you've got a good relationship with Harry Maguire. That's it should. doesn't matter, yeah.
1: It, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. The, the ultimate aim is to win, win the football game for the football club, so it shouldn't matter. Um, I always remember when Mikhail Savesta first came and we were playing Tottenham away, and I shouted out goalkeeper, like keeper's ball for one thing, and he didn't hear or he said he heard, but he didn't know what I meant, and he ended up headed and nearly went in, and they Tottenham, we were killing them, and Tottenham scored from the corner and ended up going on to win the game. But that sorted out very very quickly you know straight after that so um it shouldn't really matter the bottom line is whoever you're playing with and all that regardless of the fact that you know, if, if somebody doesn't understand it, then then they're not really a, you know a club man so to speak and some people look at our oh, club man look the bottom line is it, this is that you're at one of the truly big clubs and the, the idea is to win trophies so they just got to understand simple as that now with Varane coming in, I mean, there's a lot of options. You know, you know, Oli might want to go through at the back. He might want to go with Maguire, Lindelof, and Varan. Varane. Varane can also play uh, at right back. Um, so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of options there. But I think one thing's for certain is that a player of his calibers, you know, obviously unless he's having a really bad time, but he he will be a starter in my opinion. Um, so whether or not they go for the three at the back or they go for a partnership, uh, and I think the quicker they if if they go for a partnership, just the four at the back and the two center backs, the quicker they decide on who's best to play with him, uh, the better for for the team and the better for the club.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, just mm. one comment here was in the comments before we actually went live, just said mm. already had a question for Bozza. Are you worried that Ollie will persist with McFred? I'm not sure if you, yeah, McFred, <laughs> yes. yeah, I it sounds see, like yes, a, yeah. Sounds like Mancunian yeah. cuisine or something. Yeah. But he seems to love it. However, most United fans believe it hinders our game. So just going into that midfield debate no. now, how do you see that shaping up? What's what, well, to with what the Paul Pogba saga?
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. Look, I, I, me personally, I mean, I don't like having two defensive midfielders, okay? I just don't think there's a need for it, especially in the modern game. I still, th- I think that, you know, so the likes of it, say even someone like Paul Pogba, um, you know, you can always get them to drop back and to be the second defensive midfielder. But the fact that you're starting with two defensive midfielders, is kind of a bit of a statement to the other team as well, okay? Because defensive midfielders are very important. Um, But when you're a big club and you're playing with two of them, it kind of limits the way that you want to play going forward. So I think he needs to decide on that as well. Um, There there may be times that he may feel that that's appropriate. And we have seen the record they've had recently against Manchester City is very good. Um, and he may feel as though in certain games he needs to go like that. But in in terms of your starting, you know, football's become very, very adaptable, which is great. Adaptability is the mark of a genius, okay? So you've seen teams in the Euros, especially, you know, starting off with three, four, three and then going to five, three, two or you know, this, that, and the other. So it's become very fluid, very, very adaptable, which is great. But the thing is, the hardest thing in football to do is is to attack, okay, to be an attacking players, okay? Defending is not easy and you need good defending, yeah, but I always believe that you can always ask. It's kind of like it, it's it's much easier to ask a striker in an emergency to come and play centre-back and, and to sort of do okay than it is the other way around to ask a centre-back to go up and to be striker, okay, because mm-hmm. scoring goals is what the game's about and is the hardest thing to do. And that goes with your defensive midfield. I always think it's much easier to ask a more of attacking minded midfielder to say, well, listen, can you sit and hold today you know, than it is to turn around to say to a defensive midfield, look, listen, I want you to be my creative influence. Uh, the other thing that's not really talked about much because we didn't really see much last season is the Vanderbeek situation. He wants to stay, which is great, and whether or not they're thinking maybe you know to, to sort of to start to slowly but surely you know put him into the team and to link him up, uh, you know, with with Pogba, with Fernandez, and depending how they want to go, that I want to go into a diamond shape and to have. But I just think, like I said, especially with Varane. I really don't think you need two defensive midfielders mm. um I, I just you know it's just happy to have one that's okay a makalaily type kante whatever you want to call it and just to patrol that area in front because a lot of teams like to play with those three three congested players up front no problem and then you start to look at like i said the attacking options that you've got in terms of in terms of the midfield um and and there are plenty uh, but there are ones as well that i do believe like fernandes like pogba if they're fit that they need to start in my opinion
0: yeah, no, definitely. Well, you just brought a sort of good flashback to my mind there where you mentioned a striker going back to play centre-back. I remember one day against Leeds, there was a mm. bit of an injury crisis and Dimitar Berbatov went back and played the last 10 minutes at sweeper. So, yeah, um, yeah, there you it go. It can be done. But, um, yeah. before, we move on, before we move on, just quick, um, some questions sent in by some members of the supporters. So you can see the um, yep. scarf behind us. But um, on a season expectations, obviously, we, we hope we go on win the title. If we play well, we we'll probably do have the no. squad to But we do look at the distance we were behind Manchester City last year mm. and even okay we finished above Chelsea but Chelsea were European champions so Chelsea had yeah. a good season. I'm Just looking how can you even if we do improve which we expect to Manchester mm. City've got 100 million on Jack Grealish now who knows if they're going to get Harry Kane etc. Chelsea yeah. are going to get Lukaku so even if we do improve can Man United really expect this season to you know, No. To top no City? I I don't
1: I don't think they should expect it no. That's why I said not for the title um which is good because it takes a bit of pressure off them uh and and when you spoke about you know the points points difference um and i'm just going to get and the position and so forth. i think it was 12 points i'm just going to get it here from last season which is is still is still quite a way to make up um so look hang on i don't know where i've put it now but i will say this right, okay and remember you know it ha- happened with Chelsea in the noughties, when when you know when first when Abramovich came, they were getting player after player after player. It was Manchester United like that in the 90s. Before that, it was Liverpool. It's always happened. Okay, There's the top team, if they really want to stay the top team, as Bill Shankley used to say, man, you know we got to add another two players every year to keep it fresh. To keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, prices are obviously different. Um, uh, you know, the, back in the day, I remember. Back in 1993, that the record British transfer was 3.5 million Roy Keane, and look where we are now. And now we're at 100. So it, it doesn't guarantee success, or else those teams I just mentioned would have won everything every year. But what it does, it reduces, you know, it reduces the odds. You know, it makes makes the odds much smaller. But we all know. I I, I think we all know Manchester City's main thing, and I think it's sort of going to be their icing on the cake, if you like. The Holy Grail is the Champions League. Now that's an opportunity for other teams to sneak in. Now you you saw when I say sneak in, I mean Liverpool didn't exactly sneak in a couple of seasons ago, and they they won it and won it well. So so they they'll be a threat. Chelsea will be a threat as well, even though nineteen points that's a long way to make up. Um, but with some of the, you know with Lukaku coming uh, and Tuchel having a full full preseason and a run at them, you never quite know. Um, and like I said, in in terms of us, we, we've got to sort of put that behind us and not start to get into that mode. Of, like, oh, God, look how much they just went and spent. Okay, they went and spent that. Good luck to them. We got You got to make do with what you got to make do with. That one day, uh, so you know, there was a time when that was Manchester United doing that, but mm. there were still other teams that used to come in and win it. And you yeah. got to think, so why can't we be that? Because, you know, up until what it was the end of November, Manchester City last season were going through a really tough time. Yeah. And I remember doing Sky Sports UK on a Monday, and, and they were saying, oh, who to win the title? I said, well, oh, look, you can't rule out Manchester City because they can go on a 15, 16 game unbeaten run, which is pretty much what they did. Um, but it can be done, but it's it's, it's going to take a, a lot of hard work and a lot of belief, even when things aren't going particularly well, to say, look, listen, we, we can actually do this. How can we do it? Well, how can we do this? Number one, let's be really consistent. So let's make sure we win the games we should win, and we'll let the big games take care of themselves. You know, I think we're in that position, whereas if you're in the position of Manchester City, you're more like, look, we'll just win the big games. Whatever happens to the others, we should be okay anyway. But I think we're not at that stage. Uh, that we're at the stage where we're going to win. And you, you'll be surprised if you're just there and thereabouts, you know, within five points coming towards the end. And all of a sudden, all those big games start to appear, you know, for, for Manchester City, which they should do. You never know. They might not, but wish they should do. You might get that opportunity. You know, you might get that opportunity to say, well, if we win here, you know, we go five points clear with three games to go. So that's got to be the mentality. Okay. We're not favourites. Good. We're not expected to win. Good. It takes the pressure off us. But let's just stay stay within striking distance, and 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 not get too over like or our, our record against them has has been excellent against yeah. Manchester City. It reminds me of the time. But remember when Liverpool were all dominant during those you know during the seventies and eighties, Manchester United's record against Liverpool was excellent, but they never won a title. Yeah. So you know we just got to like I said, you just got to go step by step, step by step, and understand. No, we're not the favourites, but that could actually work in our favour.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that mm. goes to show when you're saying in terms of you have to be in touch in that January, February, March, mm. it goes to show like, okay, they're important games, but this Saturday mm. night, three points against Leeds is just as valuable as three points against only in, in February, March. So it's is it is. important you get off yeah, to a good start.
1: Of course it is. Of so, um, course it is.
0: Just before we wrap up, just some um, questions some listeners sent in who haven't been able to join us live. But while I've got you, I have to ask because you yeah. just mentioned his name two minutes ago. My favorite player ever growing up, Roy Keane.
1: Yeah, it was his 50th birthday yesterday. You spoke about it quite close
0: with Roy Keane during your time at United. I just want to think the public and fans have this perception of Roy Keane, however, over the past year or two, his work on Sky Sports I've had a new insight into him and he he comes across very differently. Sort of, he's a legend in terms of very witty, very funny. Obviously, we all know how honest and genuine he is, but just. Just your thoughts of yeah. of Rokhane and sort of your
1: yeah, relationship well, yeah, with him. Yeah, uh, that's a very good relationship with him. Um, Is a far better player than people gave him credit for and probably that people will remember him by because people will probably remember him more as an enforcer, where which he, he wasn't really, I don't think. I mean, he was he was as, as tough as they come, no doubt about that. But, I mean, he could do everything. He had the ball, score goals, um, you know, pass the ball. Um, he was a good athlete. Um, you know, and after that serious injury, he had the, he obviously, you know, for the team's sake, I think he, he sort of went more into that holding role and let the young boys sort of do the, you know, the box-to-box stuff and and do all the stuff. And I thought that was very unselfish of him. And it also took upon the role as the protector and, and a bit of the enforcer. Uh, no doubt about that after that injury against Leeds. But I think in terms of his character, you know, one minute he can be good with you, the next minute he can be really scathing with you. But I think that's just his way of, of how he keeps people off balance so they don't get too close to him because he's not particularly trusting of people, especially people from the outside. And that's fine as well. But you've seen, you know, during Sky Sports, he's been brilliant. You know, he's, oh. you've seen all, all sides of him. And I have to say, Micah Richards is handling him really well as well. I think, you know, that, that really know, goes to show. You wouldn't, wouldn't pick that, do you? Yeah. I, when they first no, a together, but you I think, I think, think it's, a per, if it's a perfect mix. But um, mm. but you know, Roy's Roy. That, that's the bottom line. Um, and, you know, he was, like I said, part of one of the most, well, the most successful period at the club. And what a bargain when you think about it, you know, yeah. Um, you know, for the 3.5 million back then, all those years and service that they got out of him, Um, you know, he has his faults just like everyone else. Um, But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I think a lot of that bravado, so to speak, I mean, he can back it up. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not, it's not bluster, but I think a lot of it is, is because he just doesn't like people to get too close. That's all. Uh, yeah. and he likes to keep them off balance. Um, but uh, you know you've seen his football knowledge and you know the fact that he worked under Sir Alex or so and, and Brian Clough as well. I mean, you know, Brian Clough was was, you know, you know, when you think about what Brian Clough did it's absolutely legendary. You know, to win, you know, we've really, you have to say, no disrespect yeah. to not for but a provincial club. You know, he won two European Cups. So although, okay, then back then people can say what they like, but they were still the best players in Europe then, maybe not from around the world like we see now. Uh, and obviously the competition was a little bit structured, a little bit differently, where if you won three games before Christmas, you were straight into the quarterfinals. But still, winning winning two European Cups with a team like not is winning two European Cups, uh, absolutely yeah. outstanding. So the amount of knowledge you would have gained by that would have been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I'm happy to see him. I remember when he came down here to Sydney and I saw, oh, we saw each other, we had a dinner, and he was sort of saying, you know, he said, I was watching on the TV, and I could tell, the way he was saying it is it like, and I said to, "Okay, you'd be great for." T- oh, I'm not so sure. You know, he's one of them. You know, he really wants to be at your party, but he wants you to ask him to be at the party. Yeah, okay. and uh, and uh, it, you know, you, you've seen it. I mean, when he's on, and they have little clips of him or whatever. I always put it onto them. This because I always think that I can learn from anyone, especially someone like him.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Now, just three quick questions before we wrap up. Yeah, um, Prem, Prem, um, who's been on the podcast before, a member of the supporters club. Yeah. Question for Mark. What do you make of analytics for goalkeepers and football in general, just in terms of that stats debate? Yeah, is, is it overused? I, I love, or?
1: Yeah, no, no. I love all the analytics. It's just that it's got to be then, it's kind of like, you know, when we hear about expert advice, okay? So, expert advice in this and Of course, you listen to the experts, all right? All right? But it's a little bit like um, expert advice will be derived a lot from statistics. But you then got to put it into context of reality. So statistics are great. I mean, I refer to them a lot when I, you know, when I do my work. I also have a look at average player positions uh, th- where where the team's attacking the majority of times, uh, you know, things like that, the the type of running stats that you get, you know, in terms of, you know, how how, how far did a particular a person run during that game? But not only that, w- was that in zone one, zone two, zone three or zone four, or zone five, four and five are like at sprints pace. So. Unless you know football, it's hard to interpret that because somebody could turn around, for example, and goes, oh, well, so-and-so run 15 kilometers. He, but you looked at it, but then you go, yeah, but I watched the game. It was hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you run 15 kilometers. You just jog throughout the whole game. You know what I mean? Somebody yeah. might have run 7.5, but that little, those little bits might have been majority of the time in zone four, zone five, which is high yeah. speed. And he might have caused real problems generally football supporters get that feeling like I was talking to you about before about you know they they feel and they feel very good they that for me football supporters know a lot more than people give them credit for um and somebody once told me that who uh, my ex physio at uh, Aston Villa who also played under Brian Clough when he was at Derby they know a lot more than than you think but uh you know that you've got to be able to interpret things okay so you can have a look at certain things and say okay well let's have a look okay um that goalkeeper has got a save ratio of 74 percent. okay well that's very very good all right but let's have a look at his team all right his team is second in the league um so he wouldn't be uh, getting as much work as somebody uh, whose team is say 17th in the league so okay so you said but have you watched him every game yes how's he been he's been excellent His distribution's good he comes through his crosses uh those saves have been really really quality okay then you might have somebody like i said on the other end of the spectrum Who's playing for a team that's coming sixteenth? His save ratio is eighty-four um, percent, and he's let in twice as many goals as that first person. And but you see, oh, about eighty-four percent—that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, how was he? Been? Yeah, I went to watch him. I mean, he saved—you know—save f- four or five goals a game, but some of the ones he let in are just you know ridiculous. So you need yeah. still eyes and ears on the ground. Okay. All the data and that in the world, you still need, you know, eyes and ears on the ground because all the data in the world, I could turn around and say to a football person like, you, yeah, well, here's all the data." And he goes, "Yeah, I don't care what the data's saying. The bottom line is, is this: you know, we didn't win, okay? Why didn't we win? You might say this and that and the other, okay, but we are not winning. And that player, regardless of all his data, is not playing well when it matters. And that's what it is about. You know, men and moments in football. Yeah, you can do all this and all that and whatever. When you get in a position, you've got to be good enough to take your opportunity, whatever that may be whether that be a save for a goalkeeper, a great tackle for a defender, a wonderful pass for a midfielder, a goal from a striker, whatever it may be. And and that's really, and that's why I say it's important. So it's not the be all and end all. It's important and it gives a different dimension to the game, just like it does with life, but it's got to be interpreted right. Yeah, Yeah,
0: no, definitely. No, just two quick ones. Elliot is, the big fan of the podcast, said um, he's a yep. big fan of you as a young keeper when he was growing up. Just um, who Thanks was your favourite keeper growing up or favourite keeper whole, you played against?
1: Uh, yeah, a yeah, whole lot. I mean, Lev Yashin, the, uh, the, the Soviet uh, Russian goalkeeper, was absolutely outstanding. There was a uh, a, a goalkeeper from where my dad's from, um, from uh, former Yugoslavia. Um, he was actually born in Croatia, but he was he was Serbian, called Vladimir Bayera. He was an outstanding goalkeeper. Ray Clements, the late Ray Clements, Peter Shilton, um, Neville Southall, uh, Bruce Grubble. I used to look at all of them uh, and pick up little bits from all of them. Um, you know, even Dino Zoff, even though he was coming towards the end of his tenor, you know, when when sort of he lifted the World Cup back in 1982. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, you know, when, when you know, because I was really young when he first come over and all that, there was always, you know, somebody to, to really look to and to look up to. So, um, you know, all those goals, you should think we could learn something from, from, from any of those goalkeepers. And I used to look at all of them. Pat Jennings, I think I haven't met, Gordon Banks. Um, the list goes on, really. Um, but, uh, I, and I think Jean-Marie Pfaff, I mean, the one who used to play for, for Belgium. Uh, Desaev, who used to play for the old Soviet Union. There's so many. I I, hope, I just hope I don't forget. I used to look at all of them and say, okay, what can I take what's good from their game? Um, and there were so so many uh, that, that uh, like I said, that, that played a part and played a really massive influence.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Now, last one um, from Josh, a member of the Supporters Club. I think this is a cracking one, especially to finish the podcast. Obviously, we're in the Mm -hmm. middle of a transfer window, silly season, as people call it. Yeah. He's he's throwing a really good question here. With the rise of social media, you get some ridiculous transfer rumors floating about. What's the most ridiculous transfer that you personally have been linked to, and how did it come about? Like, were you ever, did you hear a story and you uh, think, what's happening here?
1: Yeah, no, no, not really. The vast majority of stories were were bang on the mark. Yeah. So, Yeah. uh, yeah. And that was the days when there wasn't social media, but the ones that ever come out, they were pretty much bang on the mark. Like I, I'd already heard about it beforehand. So it was like, so it obviously got out before, uh, you know, got out. So um, it's very difficult these days because there are so many sort of people involved and whatever, and you don't know, you know, like I said, sometimes this, sometimes that, and you don't know the reasoning behind it. But generally there's no smoke without some type of fire, you know, whether or not yeah. that interest had been gone or it happened or whatever, but there's, you know, um, you know, the, the, you don't know because you know could just. You know, for example, if a, if a if a scout from Manchester United just turned around and you know, uh, you know, rang up a club and said, "Can I have some tick? Can I have a ticket tonight um, to come to your game?" And it's they say, I don't know, say it's, it's the Belgium First Division. Well, whoever fields that call is going to tell somebody who their boss is. That boss is going to it's going to get the Man United scout. Is here? I wonder who he's watching. Yeah. So sometimes then somebody might just say something. And they might just say, well, they're watching Tom. But I'll be watching Tom. They might be watching me. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's so hard to keep it under wraps. Uh, and, you know, it's so important to, but it's so hard because, you know, it, sometimes when things are played out in public, uh, it, can, it can go awry. You know, people can come and swoop and get all the price and get out of hand. Um, but it's very, very difficult, especially in the day of social media, to keep things under wraps. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And one of the best stories, I urge everyone, as I said at the start mm. of the podcast, this will go up on your podcast app as well, but scroll back to episode 50. Mm. We sat down with Boz at the pub for an hour, and I still remember a story you told us. It was that famous night in Turin for Man United. You're flying in to have a talk with mm. Juventus, and that, when you left the plane in England, yes. United were 2-0 down when you got off the plane. Um, history was That's made right. sort of thing. So um, I urge everyone go back and give uh, that podcast. And, um, some great stories. I'll never
1: there. forget that. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I was a, I speaking to my the, one of my agents at the time and and I said, tell me, and he's gone. Uh, I think it was Zidane that scored the second or whoever. I think it was Zidane. He definitely scored one. He says, Juventus are 2-0 up. Yeah, and I remember getting off the plane then in Turin and Juventus has sent a guy down um, you know, to, uh, to, to, pick, uh, to pick me up at the airport I remember saying to him, so what happened? What happened? And I remember he going, it was a beautiful game. And he started sort of talking. I remember saying, no disrespect to, I can't remember his name, no disrespect, but can you just tell us what the score was? He went, oh, 3 2 Manchester United. I went, oh, okay.
0: Definitely. Larry uh, has just made a print Just before we wrap up and say goodbye, Larry um, can't mm. join us, but he just thrown in a comment. Tony Marshall, special season, incoming, 21 goals in season 21. Sorry, I couldn't be on sending his love, yeah. Boz. So j- just your thoughts <laughs> on Marshall because it's likely that he's going to start now. Cavani's not there, and he is yeah. the one that does divide opinion amongst United fans. So just your thoughts yeah. quickly on Marshall's season.
1: Well, he's one of them players, and I think that's why he frustrates so much, that you know, when he's at his best, he's, you know, he's near unstoppable. There's no doubt about that. Um, but that doesn't happen enough. Um, and with those, you know, ultra-talented players, I can tell that he's one of them. Uh, it becomes very, very frustrating. because It's sort of like the Letizia story. You know, when Letizia was great. He was, like, unbelievable. But when he when he wasn't, people would notice it much more because he was so good beforehand. I think Martial was very, very similar to that. Uh, but he will have an opportunity this season, uh, a big opportunity. I mean, um, we know with Rashford with the shoulder injury it will take him time to get back to, to his normal, uh, normal self. And he'll have a big opportunity this season. Um, even though, you know, Manchester United, like I said, in my opinion, w- will be in wherever it be this transfer window, or I would say more, more likely be this, not the, not the, uh, January one, but the one next, this time next year for a real big hitter as a striker. Uh, but he's got a real big opportunity. And, uh, You know, a striker, just like sometimes you can say a goalkeeper can only be as good as the defence in front of him. Well, a striker is definitely only as good as the service that he receives. You've got a lot of players that they can give him the right service. Um, But once again, and I think, you know, Oli's heading that way. Uh, You know, it's important that they don't have too much reliance of any player. And that's when you get, for me, a champion team. It's like saying, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you love to have a great goal score. Yes, but if everyone knows it's just one goal scorer that's where the goals are coming from, it's much easier to stop than the goals are coming from everywhere. And and that's the type of attitude they've got to have with the whole team. It's going to take a massive effort. So we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Fingers crossed yep. it gets off to a good start on the weekend, Saturday night. Yep. Nice early kickoff for us here in Sydney. But just from all obviously, all our listeners, but obviously the Man United Supporters Club, for those who don't know, if you are in Sydney, um, Boser is a great friend of the Supporters Club and does a lot of good work for us. Hopefully um, when Sydney opens back up and we're out of COVID, um, we can have a better experience than the penalty shootout against Villarreal.
1: Yeah, at the I'll pub, be down. Yeah, I'll be. Hopefully, we'll be able to come down to the pub, and I'll come down to the pub, and and uh, we'll, we'll watch a game. The way things are going here, it looks as though the clocks yeah, will be. Well, it be a while. <laughs> It'll be a little bit later, but doesn't matter. What are you going to do? It'll be great. I can't wait for it. I can't, really can't wait for it. I'm looking at the draw and looking through all my research, and all that. Some real tasty encounters coming up. So I really can't wait. Well, for if it. someone
0: if someone knows how to perform against Leeds, to remember a special performance you put in against Leeds, obviously in that title yeah. season. So um, fingers crossed, yeah, the boys. Very I can true. Draw some inspiration from that but um, it's not gonna be I'm easy on... yeah it's not gonna be it easy remember try,
1: yeah. leeds uh, opening game remember i think it was against liverpool last season They though yeah. even though they lost they were exceptional and that really they put a marker on on what they were going to do for the rest of the season they did it and uh now not a lot of people that you know, there's going to be the battle for the title for me for me will be between those four teams but then you've got leicester west ham everton aston villa leeds uh tottenham arsenal everton are all going to be vying and maybe trying to even push themselves into contention for that top four. But there's, you know, there's the European Conference League to play for as well now, which pushes the places for Europe a little bit further lower. So um, it's going to be another, um, you know, fantastic, entertaining season as they always are. It's the most entertaining uh, league in the world. Whether or not it's the yeah. best is always up to the debate, but it's definitely the most entertaining and always has been, in my opinion, always will be.
0: Uh, Definitely, definitely agree as well and good to hear. And um, fingers crossed for Saturday, all goes well. Um, Larry has just made a commitment. Make sure you um, hold him to a Boz first beers on me. Um, (laughs) Keep him to that. But um, Uh... hopefully everyone did enjoy the video and we're truly grateful that um, that you've come on and spent some time with some Sydney Reds in lockdown. So please like the video. Make sure you go follow Boz on all these social medias. We'll leave them in the description. And if you aren't subscribed, please subscribe. And Larry and I will be back tomorrow. I'll make sure he comes on. And we'll have a maybe a more sort of in-depth look at the leads preview. But um first of all, it just thank you very much. We truly appreciate it. All our listeners, thank you. And obviously, the supporters club. If you're in know, New South Wales, anytime.
1: All the best for the kickoff this weekend.
0: No, pleasure. Have a good one, mate.
1: Take care.